Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a cat over here, there's a cat over there, and the wrong one died, and the wrong one died. Welcome to the Wrong Cat Die, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we are celebrating Andrew Lloyd Webber. With Phantom of the Opera set to close on Broadway, I'm having a handful of what I'm calling Phantom Cats on the podcast. The guest today has been performing as Madame Giri on Phantom of the Opera, but before that, she was Grizabella in the Australian Cats Circus Tour. So welcome, Marie Johnson. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Hi. <laughs> I am excited to have you on. I have not talked to anybody from your cast. Um, and this tour is kind of fascinating to read about. So we'll get into that a little bit. But I, I always love starting with your history of cats before you were in it. So, you know, being in it in 2000, the 98 movie had kind of just come out. It was probably just circulating a little bit at that point. But had you had a chance, like, what was your experience with cats before being in it? Had you seen it? Had you, um, you know, got to see it live? Like, where where were you before you got cast as Grizabella? Uh, I was in Sydney, Australia, and uh, I remember seeing it. That it was the original production in the eighties, I guess, um, mid to late eighties, I think, because it, it was before Les Mis. So somewhere there, um, you probably know those <laughs> bits of cats trivia. But um, so I was very, I was uh, a young and you know wide-eyed, and I thought it was amazing. I never imagined myself being in it, which because I wasn't uh, a trained dancer. And I think the biggest takeaway from that was the dancing. And I was just in awe of what they were doing in the set and how the set, you know, came into the audience and how all the cats came up and, you know, you know, purred beside you in the, mm-hmm. in the show. So I was, yeah, I was flabbergasted, actually. You know, it was I hadn't seen anything like it at the it's time. It, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that because it's it is such a dance-heavy show, but then it has this, like, you know, such a memorable belt. And so it, it's it's kind of unique to hear. Like, I hadn't thought about it from that way as, as someone who can't sing or dance, so I walked out thinking, I can't do any of this. Um, but but to hear you say, like, oh, I, I, I'm not a dancer, this isn't for me, versus... I'm a singer can do this, you know, especially with an opera background. Like I could, or um, I could, I could do some of this stuff, but you had the reverse reaction because of the dancing. 
Yeah, I was intimidated by it. And I was just starting out. I, I, yeah, I was, I don't know, 18 or something or see, I, I, yeah, I, I was also not really going into theatre at the time. It was more of a hobby. Um, so I was pretty much intimidated by it. It was, but what it did, I think, was gave me enough of a, uh, a bit more of the bug to perform and because it was different. You know, it wasn't your Oklahoma. It wasn't, you know, you know, I just come out of school doing The Boyfriend and Bye Bye Birdie and Oklahoma. It was that kind of genre. So, mm-hmm. and we're, we're talking last century in the 80s, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the late 80s. You know, so theatre was shifting then. So this was considered, you know, very avant-garde at the time. So, um, yeah, no, it certainly got my uh creative juices flowing that's for sure uh but did i ever see myself in it at that time absolutely not mm-hmm. you know and nor was i was too young to be a grisabella then you have to age yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's i guess i guess that's true I, I, there's been a wide range of, of aged grisabellas but it's generally supposed to be played by uh uh, you know, it's, you're playing a, a weathered actress role as like the idea, as like that's the concept of Grisabella. So it's a little easier um, to do that later on. So I, it, yeah. you said that you were, you know, that you weren't really fully into theater. I, tell me a little bit about how becoming Grisabella like happened because you were a guest um, to come in for I think a month on this tour, correct? Yes. So I I was a guest for this leg of the tour. Uh, it was Perth and Kalgoorlie and a couple of other towns, I think, in Western Australia. Uh, Kalgoorlie is really remote, if you don't know Kalgoorlie. It's in the middle of Western Australia. It's an old gold mining town. So that was pretty cool to see that part of Australia. Um, so, yeah, I just came in. So I, the cast was already up and running, and they'd already been touring for some months. And then they were going to continue on with the tour. And then I just, you know, came back out and I was Delia Hannah, who was the original Grisabella on that tour. So I just came in for those, I think maybe six weeks or something. Um, I can't even remember such a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I had my own rehearsals in Sydney for a little while with the choreographer and director. Um, So it kind of helps with, the role of Grisabella because she's a, she's the outcast. Mm-hmm. So coming into that company um, as a guest performer or as a solo artist sort of makes sense and it helps with, you know, I had to get to know everyone and you feel a little bit on the outer and you feel different to everyone else and all that feeds into your characterization of the role. Will they like me? Will I be accepted into the company? And, you know, so – you know, it was it wasn't really an issue for me, but it you know, I'm not sure I really thought about it too much. You just sort of get on with the job and put your head down and get in there and uh yeah, and you kind of do a quick rehearsal with everyone and that's it. But it was a an extraordinary production because it was a circus tent. It was like the Cirque du Soleil mm-hmm. um tents. And then it I believe after I left, a couple of months later, there was a hurricane and it took it oh, out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. So that's I want to yeah. go back to a couple pieces here because you said a couple of things. I have a lot of, a lot of further questions on. So we'll, we'll take them one sure. at a time. Um, the first is, is that, you know, the, the Grisabella coming in 
is almost, it seems like that's part of the intention, even when, you know, when you're, you're doing rehearsals for the, the new show is they kind of keep Grizabella out a little bit of some of the dance stuff and the stuff to bring, to bring her in for that moment. So it almost was kind of, um, forced upon you in just the circumstance, but it also helped. But one thing I've heard from a few Grizabellas is, is that when you go into that first time where you rehearse with the whole cast and you sing memory, there's almost a little bit of pressure. It feels like because you haven't been with them the whole time, they have built this kind of family intentionally to kind of keep you out of it. And then you're going in to kind of have that moment. Did you feel that the first time you did the full rehearsal and you came in with memory? Was there like a little extra pressure to perform the song super well, having been on the outside coming in? (laughs) Sure, absolutely. Um, Back then, too, I don't know if they still do this now, and it's probably something depending on how well your negotiations go. But uh, often the Grizabellas do actually dance in the opening number, which mm-hmm. I did. So yep. um, that also plays into, into the, you know, Grizabella's sort of history is that she was one of them. She started out as a young cat like them. And, well, in my mind she did. And then she goes to live her life and then she returns to the pack. So, yes, um, coming in and singing that, moment because it's also a very quiet moment it's a very still moment and everyone's watching you so there's um yeah there's always that trepidation (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's a it is a very haunting moment it's a moment where you know in in 2000 was an issue but now there's a few shows i've seen where that moment of like oh please i just really am hoping nobody's cell phone goes off because it's like so it's so it's so ready like the moment is just so eerie and um and powerful and so it's it is. It is exactly that. Um, yeah. I, w- I want to talk a little bit more about the, the, the circus tour because it does, again, this, this came from, it was a circular theater. As you said, there were some circus elements. Um, it was called Runaway to this Cats Runaway to the Circus. Like, is there, how much like difference has, is there for doing it in that type of circular theater compared to, you know, what I, I mean, I'm just fascinated by this because it's so opposite of what I saw seeing the 2016 Broadway revival. Right. Um, yeah, it was it just, it was cool. It was really extraordinary. The tent, I mean, I can't remember how many semi-trailers this whole thing traveled in. Maybe, gosh, six, I'm guessing. Uh, we had two of them that turned into dressing rooms at the back and another two, well, that's four, so there must be like, oh, it's probably ten. But um, two of the back loads of the trucks were the air conditioning units, you know, pumping air into the tent. Because we're also talking Australia in summer. It's hot. Yeah. So you had that. And then you had these two other big trucks, maybe two or three, that the sides expanded out, and they were our dressing rooms at the back. And then the tent kind of shrouded all of that. And then you had, um, you know, a number of tent poles going up, creating, um, I don't know if you have seen pictures online, but it almost looks, it's black. The tent's also black. <laughs> and yeah. you've got these tent poles going up that kind of look like cats, you know, ears. You can almost say that. And we would enter, so like a circus, you've got the vomitarians coming in. So we would come up these ramps into the audience and, come through the audience at the back, which is similar to the theatre, but this was 
it's a very dramatic entrance coming in that way through those entrances in a circus sort of thing. And I would mm -hmm. come, Grisabella's first entrance was through that way and then up onto the stage. And then when she went, well, hopefully I'm not giving it away too earlier, too early in the interview, but she would, Grisabella would then go on the heavy, to the, up to the heavy side layer and we'd go up on this sort of old tire as normal. And then I was in a harness and I would have to climb down a very tall tent pole to, wow. there was almost like a little trapeze thing at the top that you would go onto a landing and then climb down. Um, so that's how you, cool. after you went up every night, you climb back down for the ending. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's the heavy set layer answers are always like, it's different in every production. Like where, how, how do you go up and how do you come back down? And, and right. I was thinking a little bit about the tent of, you know, it was a 5,000 in some places person like stadium seating. Like there's so many, it's a, it's a big audience compared to a normal theater in most cases. Um, and then you add in the circular element where you can't kind of have to go up and then hide behind. Like it's, you know, it's a much yeah. more challenging um, piece. And so I, I, when I heard about this one, I thought a lot about the junkyard elements and how do you put that together and how you're able to kind of almost make a little bit more um, use of the stage and different things you could do because it does fit the whole, the whole point of cats is, is that you're getting a sneak peek into the Jellicle tribe and the life of them and you add in like the circular element, it's like, oh, you really get a sneak peek in versus the very traditional, you know, stage one look with who knows what's behind them. Right. Yes. And it'd be, it'd be interesting, actually, you know, talking to some of the cast again who are on that tour for the for the long haul of it, because I'm sure they have a lot more memory of the details of that set because I didn't crawl around that set the way they did, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> I just kind of came on from a distance, stood there, sang my song, and then thank you very much, goodbye. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So um, my memory of the intricate details is somewhat limited. Yeah, and you know, it's awesome. exactly. It's been a little time too, so it's you know, there's there's been yeah. uh, time and the amount of time you did it because I think you were on for like you said six weeks. Um, so something let's, like let's, that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pivot to that actually piece of that, which is when you're doing a six weeks, I know you said you had rehearsals in, in Sydney. How much do you create of a character backstory where you're given so little when you know you're doing a short stint? Like you have to clearly have enough to be able to go do the performance and give, you know, the what Grisabella is to the audience. But mm -hmm. how much did you think about that when you know it's a, a shorter run versus when it's an indefinite run? Oh, I, it's the same. It's exactly the same. for me. Yeah, it, you still do your research and do your homework on on where your character, any sort of information you can get about the character. So I'd actually studied a little bit of uh, T.S. Eliot at school. So, you know, I'd been introduced to his work already. So it was just a matter of looking at the cats, the poems and, you know, the lyric and where she was coming from, the glamour cat and all those things. I mean, it's, it's kind of a 
the classic tale of someone's life who is, you know, it's lost the glamour and the luster. Maybe there were mistakes made, regrets, all those things, and it's somewhat sordid. There's there's an implication that, you know, her life was somewhat complicated, you know, in various ways, and she was shunned by her community. So, um, you know, I definitely looked at looked at that, but having the backs having T. S. Eliot's work there, I was definitely something I tapped into. Mm. You know, those so, stories, those poems. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you remember what they told you? Because, like, there is this like lure of cats. I'm working my way slowly into getting the right people to come tell me the you know the what the the full like total background, like the the two day that they walk through. But there is this, like, here's what we know is fact, and here's where there's kind of some opportunity for interpretation. And, did you know, like, how much time do they spend walking you through that versus the, what I assume is more traditional rehearsal, which is, here's your staging, here's where you come on, here's how you go to the heavyside layer, here's the song that you're singing. Um, how much of that, like, time did you get, and how, how much do you remember of that? Um, I don't remember there being a lot of time, actually. It was because, especially coming in when the show's already running, those rehearsals tend to be a little uh, – there's a little bit more economy of time going on. So there's – it's more get the staging in first and then let bring in the other layers as we go. But um, I don't remember a lot of the specifics. I wish I could find my notes. I know they're somewhere <laughs> in some box, maybe in – still in Australia. Who knows? Um but, yeah, it's hard to answer that one, apart from doing my own. I think as an actor, to be prepared as as you can, you always do your extra work, you mm-hmm. know. But I can't, I don't remember there being specifically some sort of backstory that they thought I should have. I think it was pretty much left to me because it is sort of a broad, it's a little bit like Madame Jury in a way too, in Phantom. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll hold, hold that thought. Um, I do, I do, I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on. I've always fascinated talking to Grisabella's and, and there's always two pieces of Grisabella's that I like, that I, that I like talking about and hearing from. And, you know, the, the first is that, which is there is this almost ambiguous piece of where she went when she left. Like we're not really privy to that. We know that she was there before. We know that she left and we know she's coming back because it's time, like it's her time. But the where she went is like very open for interpretation. And there's like some theories and there's some like, this is what I thought and this is how I thought about it. But it's almost not like necessary to be relevant for the story. But did you at all think about that? Like, is that something where it's like, here's where Grisabella is coming back from because I'm returning or was it just, you know, we knew that she had to leave, we had this, like, or was it more, I guess, broad? Uh, it was It was probably a little more broad in the sense of, and I think as you get to know the cast and the other characters around you, that starts to develop within your rehearsal time. Once again, I didn't quite have that rehearsal time with the cast, so mm-hmm. it developed probably on stage in over a matter of days with the performances. So you start connecting and when you're on stage, depending on the staging, you know, it's that look, it's that, and watching that other performer, then sometimes that backstory develops in that moment. And then it becomes a lot more colorful and vivid 
in your imagination. Mm-hmm. So it feeds your performance that way. Um, so definitely that's something that I've always relied on is letting other characters help me make my story. Yeah. You know, depending on my relationship with them on stage, you know, because their interpretation, they bring their own in- interpretation and that feeds into your own story and your reaction to them. Yeah. So completely. I, yeah. I think it was a combination of your own history and your own vision of what it was to be, you know, someone who was probably at the pinnacle of her career. And then either over time, uh, she just became sort of not so she aged out and then mm-hmm. became depressed and sad, or she was, there was some sk- massive scandal and she was shunned. You know, uh, I can't remember if I had that kind of detail with it given the time that I was there to kind of pull it all together and get on stage. Mm. But, That's a much more wholesome version than I've most of the time I hear. <laughs> uh, a lot of times it's a very drugs or sex work or something else too is like went really far off. Whereas I think I like your, I like the performer version. Like there's a, a slight scandal was a little, you know, like a, you know, nothing is, nothing is, is bad. So. Well, I guess we're living in a world though now where I'm very careful of the way we judge people because some people make very successful careers out of being sex, sex workers. So totally. Yeah. And and it's, it's, yeah. And you know, it's just like one of those fun, like fun pieces of this story for me is, is that it is kind of a dark show when you like really dig into it and it's weird because there's kids everywhere and it's, you know, it's still cats. And, um, but when you kind of break down some of the stuff, it's like, huh, I hadn't thought about it that way. And it's, you know, it's very sexual and there's a lot of pieces to it and there's a lot of backstories to it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's just cats. And so it's, it's kind of like <laughs> a, a funny piece too. And you know, why I've got, you know, a hundred episodes of, of the show is because of those stories that have been able to come from it. Right. Well, and there's also, um, like, if you look at T.S. Eliot, too, and start going into, you know, um, Love Song for Alfred J. Prufrock, it's also the decline of someone getting older and and their their loss of self and all those things. So it could be just as simple as she, yeah, it may not be all about drugs and sex and it just be, it just aging and decline. And some people handle that better than others. Yeah. But... Um. Yeah. The the other piece I want to ask, and this will transition nicely into our a little bit of our, our phantom conversation. But one part of the, that's that's I think really unique about Grisabella is you really get about fifteen ish minutes on stage to tell your story, versus in Phantom you're on a lot more frequently. How you know? How, do you prepare differently? Like, did you think about that differently when you know you're going to be really coming in to have your couple powerful moments? Yeah, you know, I, I guess maybe with the dance number at the beginning, but. You, you come in and like, all eyes on you belting and and then leave versus being a little bit more like throughout the story weaved in. Oh, but when she first comes on, she's very, um, it's not, she doesn't come on with a full force. She's still, mm-hmm. she's just reaching out. It's very gentle. She doesn't let rip at all mm-hmm. at the beginning, at that first. Yeah, but all eyes are still me. really on you there because it's like, yeah. ooh, who is this? Like the, the music changes, the tone changes, like everybody's kind of looking at you. And then you go back off and then you come back on and, and belt. Yeah. Well, that, and then that's her whole emotional journey in that song. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's the pain and the, 
you know, it's a great, it's a great thing. It really is. It's a great journey, that song, you know, so um, it all gets wrapped up in, in the end and the 11 o'clock number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you prep differently though, when you know it's going to be a shorter time on stage versus, you know, kind of in and out throughout mm-hmm. the whole, the whole show? No, no, no same thing. Same. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Love it. We'll be back for more of this cat's catastrophe after a short break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about Phantom now. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be releasing this right around the end of the Broadway run. Um, I love hearing just a little bit from, from your side. Like, these are two Andrew Lloyd Webber shows that could not be more different from each other. And having had the, you know, the joy of being able to, to be in both of them, like, what did you notice? Were there any parallels that you noticed or any similarities you noticed outside of like the very obvious vast differences in the stories? Uh, oh, that's a good question. No, uh, other than I guess Madame Giry and Mr. Mistopheles wearing black, they kind yeah. of look a little similar. Okay. I don't think I've ever compared those two uh, uh, in my life. I've never thought about it that way. Well, if you look at their kind of costuming and he's got black and a little bit of sparkle, and she, Madame Jury, wears a little bit of sparkle in Masquerade. It's like, huh, that could be a funny little, you know, takeaway uh, take is putting Madame Jury up there kind of choreographing Mr. Mistopheles because, you know, he's such an incredible dancer <laughs> and she's the choreographer. So I always think, oh, that could be cute. Um, but this, in terms of sim- similarities, yeah, no, I don't, they're not. Mm-hmm. I think they are very different. Um, Did you? Yeah, I, I mean, I I had a lot of trouble. So I I readily admit that I had not seen Phantom until recently and didn't know very little about it. Um, you know, just knew it was super famous and it was Andrew the Webber and everything else. But being a more theater outsider than insider, um, it was still something that was on my my New York bucket list uh, to do, and it was. Uh, and happened. So I was, you know, I, now that I know Cats so well, I kind of always try to take parallels. And I had the same thought. Like, I really struggled to compare characters. Like, the closest I got would be the Phantom and maybe McCavity with, like, the eeriness of, like, little haunting type of stuff. But there's not nearly the same parallels as you get with Cats and some other shows where it's very easy to interpret them. Because the thing that is unique about cats is there's pretty much a personality type for every personality. And that's kind of the joy of having a whole jellical family together. But I really struggled to, to tie them to the phantom characters. Um, 
and they're just such vastly different shows, but it's unique because yeah. it's, it's, it's cool. Some of the parallels in the sense of like, they're both Andrew Lloyd Webber and they both ran forever, you know, like they've both been around for so long and so successful, but are so different. Yes, definitely. And one's a much more classical score, you know, that demands a different type of vocal, you know, mm -hmm. uh, ability. So that immediately sets them apart too. And yeah. Not as much dance. Well, there for the ballerinas, there's definitely their their choreography, but it's not. You know, Cats is also essentially a dance show too. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to one of the very first things you said, which was that you know you saw Cats and you were like, "This is so dance heavy." You never thought it was going to be for you. Did you, the first time you saw Phantom, immediately say, "I need to be in this. Like this is for me." Yes. Exactly. So you knew, yeah. yeah, you knew yeah. right away. Okay. Yeah. And what was and this, this, I guess? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, just jumping in. It was actually Les Mis before that. Um, so it was, that was the another sort of defining moment when I saw Les Mis. I was like, ah, oh, this I can do because there's not a lot of dancing in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to be Eponine. I thought I was an Eponine, but I actually was cast as a Corsette understudy. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, yeah, so interesting you know sometimes your perception of who you want to be and who you actually present or what your chemistry is is a little bit different to what you think it is when you're young mm -hmm. you know but so and then fast, I fant mm. yeah fast forward to phantom so so what was that experience like when you you got you got cast on broadway and you're you know you're you're going up there doing the show that you kind of knew like what was that that first time like oh that was really exciting that was thrilling but it was very, um, uh, you know, it, it's oh, so nostalgic because to age into, you know, 20 something, 25 years later, whatever it is now, keeps time sticking away. I'm losing track of the years. But to have played Christine and then you say goodbye to that part of your career, which was awesome. And it just gave me such, um, confidence and experience and, I really, really matured as a performer doing that role and it opened so many doors, um, both, you know, personally and professionally. Uh, and then, you know, you, you say goodbye and that's great and you do other great things and life goes on. And then to come back to it and on Broadway, you know, was awesome. In some ways, I was also looking over my shoulder going, you know, pinching myself, really just pinching myself. Is this really happening? And then, um, but just, yeah, going, going along with the ride was awesome. And that was another sort of situation where I was rehearsing, um, on my own because I was coming into a cast that was already up and running. And then you, you know, slip in there and get on with it. And your, your character then starts to develop based on those people around you and what they're doing around you and how you react to them. So, um, the work is, continuous really you know I always like to keep thinking and challenging myself as a performer even now I'm coming on to five years with the show including the pandemic um, I'm still looking for those moments or uh, that thought process you know that of why I'm doing what I'm doing at this moment in time I mean I'm not analyzing it quite like that yeah. on stage in the moment but you know it's how you keep repeating it and not going crazy is to keep it fresh and to keep 
unraveling yeah, you know, the, sto- the story. Yeah, you kind of have to do that too, right? Because the, the audience, for most people, it's probably the one time they're going to see it, or, or especially Phantom and Cats, where it's a lot more tourists coming in versus, you know, the the everyone in New York just going to see it. But but if you're going to see it once, or, and then you're going to come back, there's a lot of people that come see it many times. You you know you don't want it to feel robotic, and if, when you do it eight times a week, you have to come up with some ways to to make some of that so it's fresh for you. Like so, it's you know it's I can't fathom. You know, again, as someone who's not in this industry does not perform to do the same thing eight times a week over and over and over and over again. Like you kind of have to do some of those those different interactions and moments to to keep it fresh. And I think you know maybe now with you know all the the different protocols and a lot more um, ins and outs, like having a swing probably also helps because you get a little bit of a different take on it oh. for that day and stuff like that. Yeah, this is it, yes. That's, I'm so glad you brought that up. That changes things so much. And it's actually, you know, sometimes it, it's just most of the time it's great. It really keeps you fresh. Mm-hmm. And there are moments sometimes you discover and you think, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. And, you know, it just flips it. Not that anyone else out the front would really notice the difference or even – you know, the creatives that would notice the difference, but maybe the energy just shifts a little bit. So it just gives you a, a little bit of um, a little shot of adrenaline and it just brings it to another level and, you know, off you go. So uh, it is, yeah, it's great having the understudies and standbys on more often. Really mm-hmm. is. So before we get to the rapid fire, I know one thing you, you kind of said before we started is you, you, ha- you might have some questions for me. So what questions do you have for me before we get into the, the million-dollar questions here at the end? Oh, the million – rapid fire. You've got me nervous. Okay, uh, but questions for you. <laughs> um, I was kind of curious. So why do you think – what? why do you think Grisabella shouldn't go to the heavy side layer? Oh, okay. Because I haven't – I haven't listened to all, no offense, man. I haven't been there yeah. a time with eight shows a week. Yeah. A little busy, a little busy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what's your backstory on why you think she doesn't deserve to go there? Okay. Not that I'm insulted, but go okay. on. So let's, let's do this then. We're going to go rapid fire. And then when we get to that last question, I will go first, giving you my answer and reason why. Uh, okay. Great. So, okay. So first, my first, the rapid fire questions are very easy and fun. So my first rapid fire question is, if you could go on for one day, ignore ability, age, male, female, if you could go on to play one cat for one night only and you just immediately could do it, who would you want to perform one night as? Uh, Probably Mr. Mistopheles. Mistopheles. Do the the turns and everything. I love it. Yeah, I want to do all that. I want to be able to dance like that. (laughs) Who are your favorite and least favorite cats? Character-wise, not obviously performers. Oh, no. I like them all. I can't say that. <laughs> no, no I favorites. Them all. Oh, I think Rum Tug, maybe because he's so funny. Tugger's uh, favorite. Okay. Oh, I don't cool. know. And uh, Mongo Jerry and Rubble Teaser when they do that number, I love that. That's so cute. Yeah. I don't fun. know. It's okay, like, they all got such. Yep. I'll let you off the hook with no least favorite then. Um, what is your favorite song from Cat? Mm, memory. <laughs> memory. Yeah. I mean, it's classic. It's it's. 
the one I knew yeah. going in, um, and you know, didn't even know it was in the show, and just walked. I was like, oh, I know this song. Um, <laughs> which cat do you think? This is my phantom question. If one cat would be haunting a theater in their afterlife after they're the jellical choice, who do you think would be the best at haunting a theater? Oh, well, Grizabella. Grizabella, yeah. She's ready to, yeah. I, Can't you just there, see her all in white yeah. and just creeping yeah. around, lurking in the corner and just being, you know, she'd make a great sort of um, ghost-like, um, just trying, you know, that, yeah, I think she's that image of her. I have asked really, so far, you're the fourth of your phantom family I've asked that question to. You are the first Grisabella answer. Oh, that's which is interesting. Yeah. I'm a, li- I'm was, a little... I'm a little biased. biased. Well, that's not going to go well for my last question. So my last question is, (laughs) I don't think that Grisabella is the right choice. So I will give you my answer, and then I will happily, I would like to hear your, I'm assuming, defense of Grisabella, unless you want to defend someone else. So I'll give you the the two answers. Um, There was the funny, humorous, this is how this podcast started answer, and then there's where I actually kind of firmly believe right now, after talking to different cast members, hearing their, their thoughts on it. The funny was I saw 2016 and I saw Leona Lewis, who I knew from the X Factor. That was how I knew her. She was playing Grisabella in the beginning of the revival in 2016. I knew nothing about Cats. I knew nothing about the show. I knew nothing about what I was going to go see. I saw a matinee preview where someone was who worked in theater gave me free tickets. And I found out like the day before I was going and just showed up there. And I thought, this seems like the X Factor. And I, maybe it was because I was thinking about Leona Lewis. Um, and that was like in my subconscious. But I thought I was watching a singing competition because each cat comes out and basically gives me a little of the backstory, like the show. And then they sing their number. And then I'm like, wait, at the end, one wins, right? Like they make their, their choice. So mm-hmm. I treated it as a weird X Factor, you know, like right. a cats, the cats based X Factor. And if I'm judging as one a vote for the audience at home, I would take the X Factor route, which is Simon Cowell likes to take two or three of the characters of the performers that were soloists and make them a group. That's how you got One Direction, Fifth Harmony, a couple of these like very famous bands came from the X Factor. So I wanted to send Tugger and Mistopheles together because I feel like they had a little Burt Nerdy vibe. Um, I enjoyed their performances <laughs> for very different reasons. I thought Tuggers was so fun and energetic, and Tyler Haynes was just phenomenal to watch do it. And it was like, wow, this is really rock starish. And then you've got Mistopheles, and you've got this like wonderful dance and just like very beautiful kind of number. They've got that weird chemistry together. I was like, this is going to be the duo. So that was my kind of like that was my joke for a long time. Uh-huh. I really think, though, like when I think back to as I'm old Durotomy and I'm making this decision every year, and my argument for Grisabella is she's her redemption story and her arc, I, I struggle with having her come back to be accepted by her family and then immediately killed off from her family. Like, I want her to, to go spend a year. Like, I want her to be next year's choice. I come back... <laughs> <laughs> go to go to the you know come join your family spend time with if Victoria is your daughter spend time with your daughter depending on how you play it go spend time with the Jellicles for a year be you know they've accepted you back go enjoy that and then be next year's choice send Gus this year who's looks like he's on his last leg and needs to go <laughs> so that's my those are my arguments okay. for it but I'd love to hear how are you going to defend 
Grizabella, or are you going to pick somebody else, or are you going to follow my X Factor craziness? Uh, <laughs> I'm just, they're all really entertaining. I love them. <laughs> I love the X Factor one. I haven't heard that. That's great. It, it is a bit of a competition up there, isn't it? The cats mm-hmm. all kind of yeah. competing. So I, I get that. Um, yeah, nah, as we say in Australia, yeah, nah. Um, <laughs> I have to stick to my guns that I think it's Grizabella who deserves to go there. Maybe because I, you know, my backstory on her is that she's, she's tired. It's time. Her nine lives, she's lived all her nine lives, mm-hmm. you know. And she's, it's an, an old dude. I mean, you know, yes, but he just, he's got a good heart, which is going so to keep ticking. You don't ticking think Grizabella will make it next year? Like she won't make it, it through the year if we keep her. No, no, no. And I think she's made her peace and everyone's accepted her. And she's already been a part of their lives. She doesn't need to relive um, and go back. She needs to now go to sleep and go to the next layer of life. Or, yeah. spiritu- or spirituality, she's reached that. She's and she's paid her dues, I think. I, I have thought a lot about it, even in my X Factor piece of who's voting. You know, and they always do the little package before they sing their song of like the mm-hmm. backstory. And I have wondered, like, I think Grizabella's package before her song would be pretty compelling. <laughs> like, you know, you'd be able to talk about her scandal or whatever happened before and how she's now, you know being accepted again and then she's going to go belt memory and i'm like well, uh, well will the people vote for her over over the, the two <laughs> the two young guys who are kind of fun i'm like just depends on who's who's watching the show the demographics these days well and they're too young they're still they're all the rest of the cats are all too young they're only on their second or third life they've still mm-hmm. got you know or maybe or, or six or seven they've still got a long way to go but uh you know she was she's been punished for her mistakes and shunned or, or whatever, you know, her indiscretions. Uh, but, and they've judged her and they've, you know, they excommunicated her. So she, and now, now we're looking at compassion and empathy and acceptance. And, mm-hmm. you know, I like to go down that path of forgiveness. I think forgiveness is, is a huge thing in life. And uh, the fact that they all forgive her, I feel like there's some level of forgiveness in accepting her and bringing her back, but yeah, she deserves it. Yeah, I, I do. Again, I, I, t- I appreciate your more wholesome vision of this compared to to some of the other ways. Like I, I do. Like the first time I saw it, I'm like, wait, they're going to kill a cat at the end here? Like that's the reward? Like that seems a little strange. Like there's some strange pieces to this if you like really dig deep. Um, versus yours, like the, I love the the acceptance and redemption and all that stuff. I totally get. But I'm like, but then why are we killing her? You know, like why are we why are we gonna gonna sacrifice her as our as our choice this year? Um, but it's yeah, it's it's fun. I think Gus is the one that that because of age and circumstances, the most commonly argued non Grisabella choice. Right. Oh, that got, got, yes, Gus is on his true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, hmm. well th- this has been so fun. Um, how can people stay in touch with you? Social media websites, like what's the best way for people to, to keep up with you? Yeah. Um, I have a website. Uh, it's a little dusty. I need to add some things to it. I've got around to doing it. And I have social media, uh, Instagram, uh, Marie Johnson actor. Uh, and 
I post on and off. Sometimes I'm really good at posting, yeah. sometimes I'm not. And yeah, and I, that's that's kind of it. Those I don't Amazing. do Twitter or anything else. Or yeah, I'm old, you know. <laughs> sometimes it's, I like social media. Sometimes I don't. No, it's it's a, a good and bad. I'm not I'm not even positive Twitter will be around by the time we, we launch this episode. Oh, I we'll know. See. Oh my god, they'll just be something else. It'll be yes. something new, exactly. Well, thank yeah. you so much for being an amazing guest. It's so fun. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. I'm very grateful. Thanks. And thanks, everyone else, for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown the cat's catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.